Welcome to the Zell Informer Podcast. My name is Alfred Tabex, and today I am joined by two very special people. Just because they're here, they're special. Um, so we've got returning with us, uh, finally, we got Nate back. Feels good to be back. And then returning uh, another week, because he was here two, two weeks, weeks ago, ago we've got yeah. Andy back with us. Hello. So we've got, we've got three people, which is we haven't had in a long time, so hopefully we'll have some good discussion here. Um, it's just been two people for the longest time, which we haven't had bad discussions. It's just it's always nice to have a third opinion. Um, so we're just going to jump right into it and talk about a few things uh, that are going to kind of be leading up to the Breath of the Wild that's coming out next week, um, which is, that's big. It's crazy. I'm, I'm really excited, yeah. Right? Well, we got, well, the next podcast gets published the day it comes out after this, after this one? Yeah. yeah so the next, the uh, next podcast yeah. after this that you guys will be listening to, Breath of the Wild, will have, been, will have hit the shelves. Like, literally, you could play this in the background when you're playing the game. Like, not this episode. <laughs> I got chills. I mean, you could do both if you want. Unless it ends up coming late, like, might hit on Saturday, because maybe Alfred's too busy playing. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say Breath of the Wild came in late, and I was going to be like, no! <laughs> yeah, I've delayed again. I've just been trying to decide if I even want to do the podcast that week, uh, but I probably will. <laughs> just, just make this a two-hour yeah. special. Yeah. Um, split it up over two weeks. So, we've got a few topics to talk about. Uh... The first one I kind of that Nate kind of brought up, and I kind of uh, took my own spin on it. Um, but as hopefully some of you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, a PlayStation exclusive, is coming out um, very very soon. Um, I don't remember. If, Do you know what the release date is? Yeah. I think it's in. It's like right around Breath of the Wilds. I looked it up the other day. I, I um, thought it was at the end of the month. I could be no. mistaken. Well, you know, we're February twenty eighth. Yeah, twenty eighth. Yeah. So, so we're on the internet. We can look. This so up. it's very close. Um, we'll get that before we get Breath of the Wild. Um, and for those of you who don't know, basically Horizon Zero Dawn is a giant open world game that takes place in a post post apocalyptic world um, where there's like technology, but it's like kind of primitive. Like it's it's really it's a little difficult to describe in a short. It, it almost uh, has technological animals, but like the rest of the world is prehistoric. Yeah, so so humanity's been set back after an apocalypse, and this is post post apocalypse. So this is life returning, quote unquote, back to normal after the post apocalyptic world. Um, and machines have taken over somehow, or not taken over, but they're like monsters and they're dinosaurs basically and animals. Um, so you play as this one character who has a bow, has I think a sword, and then something else. Um, so basically, like a, a female version of Link. Um, in terms of her play style, I'd imagine. Um, it's a third-person game. Uh, don't remember who is in charge of who, who made it, but it's a PlayStation exclusive. It's a Sony exclusive game um, that's been... Uh, I think it was Gorilla. Mm-hmm. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been teased for a while. Uh, it's been pushed back a bunch, and it's finally coming out around the same time as Breath of the Wild. Now, I'm assuming that... Hopefully all, if not most of you, know what Breath of the Wild is, so I'm not going to get into what that game is. Um, but Post-apocalyptic. Yeah, post-apocalyptic Zelda game. So, well, it's not actually far off. But, <laughs> I was going to say. But uh, something that's going to happen inevitably is that we're going to see a comparison between the two games. Um, just because they're coming out around the same time and they're, ty- they're kind of similar um, in either play style or just idea. Um and both open world. Both open world. Mm-hmm. Both use like heavy use of bow. Heavy use of, like 
very uh, free in your your choice, very fantasy setting, um, <clears throat> not a traditional uh, open world RPG type game um, like Fallout or uh, Skyrim. So you see first that these two games are coming around at the same time, and then there's going to be an inevitable comparison between the two. Um, since we haven't actually played, well, we've played, two of us have played Breath of the Wild, um, but <laughs> none of us have played Horizon Zero Dawn, to my knowledge. Um, but regardless, I don't think that there's enough for us, like enough playing for uh, either of those for us to make a good comparison. But the topic I want to bring up is, do you think that when these comparisons are made, that they'll be fair comparisons? Um, whether or not they'll be valid remains to be seen, but do you think it's fair to compare these two games to each other? Uh, well, I mean, Breath of the Wild has 30 years of history kind of going for it and against it at the same time, while Horizon's just more of a, a fresh palette, right? So it doesn't have any expectations going into it the same way that Zelda perhaps does. So I, I think aesthetically, uh, you know, they, they look comparable. I'm not sure how comparable they'll actually be in terms of, like, do you solve puzzles the same way that you do in Zelda in Horizon? Uh, I, I don't. I don't really know enough about the of the game to comment on that. But uh... well, to, I mean, to be clear, none of us have played Horizon. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really hard to compare something that that we don't really have a basis for beyond, I, I guess, what reviews are saying mm-hmm. about the game, um, and what footage of the game is like. Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, it, its review embargo is already up. The reviews are already out in the wild, mm-hmm. uh, and it's reviewing uh, it's scoring. Great. Very high, yep. and and you know what? It looks great um, too. I'd love to play mm-hmm. it. it. It does. Um, you know, I I guess most of my knowledge came from, uh, the group over at Kind of Funny when when they were talking about mm-hmm. the game. Uh, and it, it's it's one of those things where, the game the game is reviewing so well. It, it's reviewing at levels that Zelda usually reviews at. You know, you're talking nines and tens. Um, <clears throat> that inevitably the games are going to be compared day one because they come out the same week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because Alfred took a little spin on, on what my topic suggestion was, which had to do with, like, you know, the review scores and stuff. Um, and th- this isn't a bad thing, right? Because, like, people who own a PlayStation 4, um, they might not be getting a Switch. They might not have a Wii U. So they're not going to play Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who buy on a Switch might not own a PlayStation 4. So, like, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of overlap fan-wise, uh, unless you're someone that just happens to be a multi-console owner and has a bunch of money. Like, you're going to pick up Horizon Zero Dawn and Breath of the Wild in the same week. Like, good mm-hmm. luck. I, I doubt that there's <laughs> um, going to be a lot that, of that, impact that, that way, too. Like, like I, I want to play, based on the reviews, I really want to play Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I have to, I, it'll be down the line when I finally decide to pick up, you know, a used PlayStation 4 from someplace. So... It's one of those things where the game looks really, really good. A lot of the fears people had for Horizon Zero Dawn have been put to bed thanks to the reviews. Um, I, I think it is fair to compare them. You know, I understand that you know Horizon's a, like a new IP, but uh, it, it seems to be. I, I don't want to say it's inspired by Zelda because it does a lot of things that Zelda doesn't. Um, but it, they're they're going to be compared greatly. Because they're 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 both like open world action game and action adventure RPG style games. I would I would be comparing um, them in the sense that yes, the the genre they share is the same. They're both major AAA title games published by major publishers with their it, own consoles, right? Like yeah, yeah. Well, and if you look at it, like the two titles, they, 
I mean, as Alfred was sitting there describing Horizon, I'm like, okay, that sounds like yeah. Wild. Post-apocalyptic technology's taking over. Um, Those robot dinosaurs could very know, well be guardians in another name. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and obviously, you know, there's those giant mechanical beasts that we know about are also in in uh, Breath of the Wild. So it's almost like the they didn't draw inspiration from each other because they were both being made at the same time, but they have some similar uh, core concepts to them, uh, which is going to make them compare it even more. And my my whole worry, I, I guess, when I brought up this topic to, to Alfred originally was that Horizon Zero Dawn's scoring very very well. And because it comes out first, because its review embargo is up first, uh, and it was reviewed first because the uh, review copies have been out for at least a week. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild's review copies have only been out for a few days. Um, that Breath of the Wild has to, as awesome as the series is, it almost has to live up to Horizon. Because Horizon's going to set a whole new bar of expectations um, for open-world action-adventure <clears throat> games in that kind of setting. Uh, and, you know, it's what we thought Breath of the Wild was going to do. Because nobody really knew if Horizon was going to be that good. You know, was it going to just be another Sunset Overdrive, where it's a good game, but, you know, it's not top top tier, or is it going to be up there, and Horizon's up there? So Well, kind of like the thing you mentioned, too, is that um, this, this isn't going to impact people with, with single consoles. So... Um, yeah. people that have already made up their mind that they're going to go out and buy Breath of the Wild and buy the Switch aren't going to see the reviews for Horizon Zero Dawn and be like, well, guess I'm canceling my Switch pre-order and Zelda pre-order and going out to buy a PS4 on Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it, like, the benefit for me is I live with a guy that has uh, a PlayStation 4, so I, I can either play or watch him play Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, but if that wasn't the case, I wouldn't go out and buy myself a PlayStation 4 because I'm getting a Switch, I'm getting Breath of the Wild. Um, I think it's more either multi-console game gamers or undecided gamers. So people that haven't really picked a side, um, have been waiting to get a new console, uh, based on how this turns out, or if they're deciding whether or not to get a switch based on Breath of the Wild. Um, there's a bunch of different factors that could be considered there. Um, but I, I do agree. I think that the fact that uh, the reviews are going to hit later for Breath of the Wild, um, inevitably they're going to be compared in a way to say, well, you know, Zelda does a lot of these things, but it falls short of where it does this in, in Horizon Zero Dawn. Or it's going to say it took this in Horizon Zero Dawn and, and, and like, improved upon it. Uh, so it's, it's a weird place mm-hmm. that they're sitting because Horizon Zero Dawn, like the people who are doing the reviews, um, I know, what, you know, bigger outlets like IGN is totally different people reviewing the games, but but at a lot of smaller outlets where it's like the same group of people reviewing both games, Horizon Zero Dawn is going to be fresh in their mind as they're playing Breath of the Wild. Yep. And I'm very curious to see how that's going to affect how they review the game. Are, are they still going to review <clears> it, you know, <throat> like what their first experience was with it last E3? Or is it going to be like, okay, it's going to be directly compared to Horizon Zero Dawn just by default of the fact that they just got done playing I, it? I think, yeah. that, I think that Breath of the Wild is going to get away with a few things, though, just because it's a Zelda game and it's the first foray, really, for Nintendo into open-world gaming. I think that they'll be compared more so to the open-world sh- genre. It shouldn't get away with that. Yeah, and if it should, what I was... shouldn't, but I think that it will. Uh, I think that people will be I more Zelda does get a pass to forgive it. When, when it should get a pass. So, uh, like you said, um, it shouldn't. Um, that kind of brings up an interesting idea. Why? 
first off, why do we often give Zelda a pass for certain things? And why shouldn't it deserve that pass? Uh, well, I, I think that, you know, Zelda, it shouldn't deserve a pass, but I can't think of an instance where a Zelda title has really let me down. So they've built up a lot of credibility. Um, you can, I mean, you can argue that the DS games weren't all that good, and I probably would. But, uh, you know, were they bad? No. You've never, you've never made a stinker of a Zelda game. They've taken chances and risks, uh, and they've built up a lot of goodwill. So I think that that over, you know, over the last 30 plus years has, has given them, I guess, that, that free pass mentality that, that people will let certain things slip in a Zelda game. And I, and I think especially for this one, since it's the first foray into the open world, I, I think that, you know, if the, if the worlds are a little bit empty, people are going to be a little bit more forgiving because not only because it's Zelda, but just because of how, how long people have waited for the game. I think that they, I think that everyone's going to be so happy just to have it that some things might get overlooked. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that though, when you said that certain worlds may be empty, people might overlook that because that wasn't the case with Skyward Sword, um, where you go from another in-between Wind Waker, there was Twilight Princess and then Skyward Sword, but if you look at Skyward Sword and compare its open world uh, in a way to Wind Waker's, there's more freedom of places to go in Wind Waker uh, with the ocean being the open world and different islands being there, as opposed to in Skyward Sword where the sky was pretty much just bland. The, the sky um, was, was awful, was a lot and of... I love Skyward Sword. I'll defend yeah. that, but like, like flying well, that, around was, ugh, it was terrible. That was one of the biggest complaints that a lot of people have with that game. Um, and so I think that based on the reaction from that and how people were really upset with how how closed off that open world was, um, because while it was open world, it was still like, okay, well, you have three other places you can go. Um, and there's really not a lot of, like exploration to be had there um but i think that because people saw that and people were like well why isn't this like wind waker in terms of well there's hundreds of islands to go to not hundreds but there's plenty of islands to go to in in these quadrants and there's one per quadrant um and what have you i don't think that they're gonna be willing to give nintendo a pass again when it comes to open world like if we get breath of the wild and there's like one or two towns scattered throughout each different area of the game. I don't think they're going to get a pass for that. Um, I, I unless think that like, that'll probably be the biggest sticking point with reviewers, if I had to guess. And, and I don't know if the world is empty. You guys have played it. I haven't. But if I... Well, we didn't... I didn't get enough. We didn't yeah. get to go to specific areas. Like, we didn't get to go look at the villages. We didn't get to go look at those areas. Um, but... Like, I, I agree. I think that that's going to be something that the reviewers aren't going to give them uh, if I had to a lot of the leeway on. criticism, I think that people will have a Breath of the Wild, it'll be that. It's too sparse. If if that's something that is a problem. Yeah, if, if it is. Um, hopefully it's not. Yeah, I... It's weird because in the past, right, there's been kind of two different mentalities uh, when it comes to judging the quality of a Zelda game. Like, what what does it get a pass for? Mm-hmm. Um, like reviewers have almost always given a Zelda a pass on everything. Um, Zelda basically always scores a nine and that's it. it it's just always going to be a nine or a nine plus, uh, regardless of any other flaws there might be. Um, maybe Triforce Heroes with the exception. I don't think that scored up in the nines, but again, that's a very different kind of yeah. game. Uh, so that's not really a, a fair barometer, but like, so like the review media has always kind of had a bias towards always scoring every single Zelda game 
basically around the same score. Uh, and then you have Zelda fans, hardcore fans. They definitely don't give anything a pass. Um, outside of certain certain traditions, um, as an example, the fact that there was no voice acting until now. Mm-hmm. Zelda fans have been giving that a pass for decades, despite the fact that voice acting has been around for decades. I don't know um, if that was something every Zelda fan was clamoring for, to be fair. No, no, they weren't, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they gave it a pass because it's traditionally never happened. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, it's tradition, so it doesn't happen. Tradition, like, always wears green. Tradition this, tradition that. Um, so, like, the games that offered any variety in those in those ways has always been kind of, you know, that's Zelda. It's a pass. It doesn't need that. Yeah. Um, and in many ways... That's partially why a lot of people feel Zelda fell behind the times, why the sales couldn't stay up, why the why these other new IPs would come out and sell drastically more, even though they were Zelda-like games. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn is an example. Who knows? That Maybe that moves 10 million units. And it's a brand new IP, and Zelda's never moved well, I, 10 million. I don't think there's any question that Horizon Zero Dawn is going to outsell Breath of the Wild. And the thing is, it shouldn't. If we're talking about a brand new you know, IP that's reviewing well, but has no clout behind, and then you got a thirty-year-old. You're franchise. also talking yeah. about it's on one of the most successful consoles ever, versus well, this Sword yeah. versus one of the worst-selling consoles ever, <clears throat> and the Switch, which I mean, hopefully is a success, but yeah, yeah. Well, but like Nate it, said, well, it's one of those Skyward Sword was on the Wii, and so it is. It was there was no reason for that game to go unnoticed, um, even though it was Sword released had a towards. Lot of other yeah, it was a bad release period. It. Attributed to its demise, though, like from the from the initial on from E3, where they revealed it, and everything from there just went catastrophically wrong for that game. Well, I and yet it's still reviewed as a ninety-three. Yeah, it's it's still a really good game, and I think that <laughs> the the issue isn't that um, like I I I can't make a prediction on whether or not Horizon Zero Dawn is going to outsell Breath of the Wild, um, and kind of like Nate said, because Breath of the Wild. And kind of like you said, Andy, where they have with Zelda this, uh, like we talked about last week or the week before, brand recognition where because it's so it's Zelda, people are instantly going to buy it. Um, granted, there are going to be people that aren't just buying it for Zelda, but there are a lot of people that are like, oh, this is a new Zelda game. Um, I, I have to get it. Um, whereas, and they built up that, that trust with the game. Whereas with Horizon Zero Dawn, they're going into it with absolutely no preconceived notions or no ideas of what this game is supposed to be like, other than what they've seen from demos and gameplay trailers and heard from people talk about. So it's mm-hmm. not like they could say, oh, well, Horizon Zero was really good, and Horizon Zero <laughs> Dawn is going to be just as good. It's 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 kind of sure. a blind faith thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I do, I do want to throw it's... something out really quick. Um, earlier in the day, me and Nate were kind of chatting about Kind of Funny and uh, their stance on Nintendo, uh, and, and we were talking about Colin Moriarty, and uh, I mentioned that you know nothing will ever make him happy except for Nintendo going third party. If Nintendo went third party and they put Breath of the Wild on on PS4, that game would sell, I bet you, like 15 million copies for sure. I think I think there's no question it would outsell it would outsell Horizon if it had. The well, same I think kind of any base. Nintendo game, I think any Nintendo game on a third party console would a move units and then b sell like crazy. Mm, yeah. Um, but whether or not that's, you know, I'm, I'm very much with Tim on that aspect that I really don't want that to happen in well, Nintendo. Don't get me wrong. I don't want that to happen either. No, I know. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I can I, – I see that point and I understand. Um, I just don't know. If, if the Switch does well, 
then that's not going to happen. Um, but if the Switch doesn't do well, then that's pretty much it for Nintendo with their hardware because mm-hmm. this thing needs to sell well for them. They can't take another loss like they did with the Wii U. Yeah, if, if the Switch um, Well, actually, they can. Well, they, they can, but they shouldn't. Like, that's not a good idea. No, um, I, I feel like if the Switch bombs, we're going to be playing, you know, Breath of the Wild 2 on PS5. Well, I, no. I don't know if I'd go that yeah, far. I think, if the, I think if the Switch fails, we're going to be playing Breath of the Wild 2 on iPhone 9. Yeah, uh, I, I think it, it's just it's it's difficult to tell with Nintendo um, because of their marketing strategies and because of what they do um, in response to other things. Like when you know people complain about motion controls, they're like, oh, it's the Wii U. It's got the same controllers and... You know, all these different things. Like, you can't really predict what Nintendo does. Mm-hmm. Um, which sucks for investors because they can never be like, oh, well, obviously Nintendo's going to do this and we're going to make lots of money. Um, that, that, you know. Well, that is one nice thing, though, that Nintendo's done lately is they've diversified where yeah. the money comes from. Well, like the so, like, iPhones. now they know Nintendo's releasing two to three mobile games every mm-hmm. year. It's happening. That's a consistent stream of revenue that now investors know is, ha- is coming in. Um, and then, you know, they've also said, oh, now we're going to be in Universal theme parks. That's going to be another new streamer. Mm-hmm. So, like, Nintendo's kind of... Nintendo's almost working towards the point where they don't really need the Switch to succeed to be successful. Um, which is why I said I don't think, like, if the Switch fails, they're going to end up saying, yeah, we need to bring all our games to third party. They're going to be like, it doesn't matter. Switch can fail. We have all this other revenue coming in. All we care about is making our IP relevant, and we're going to keep experimenting and keep making the hardware we want to make. And if we can only sell 20 million units every time, all right, then we can only sell 20 million units. We don't. It doesn't matter because we have other revenue streams. Um, and some of this, I, I wrote an editorial about that. They kind of examined um, the Switch's place in the market, like where, where Switch goes in the marketplace. And in in there, I kind of explored this idea where as awesome as we think the PlayStation 4 is doing, the overall home console market is dying. Like, it is sinking like a like bad. Well, it's been doing that since last generation. It, even before last generation. If you if I compare this generation... Because last generation, it's hard because there was the Wii. Yeah. Which was like an aberration. It's still 100 million units. That that I mean, yeah, PlayStation 2 did that. But, you know, you, you, last generation sold more than the generation before. Uh, but if you look at this generation, it's even worse than the generation before that, and it's worse than the generation before that. So, like, this generation, even with how well PlayStation 4 is doing, Xbox One's not doing as well. Xbox One is sitting around N64 numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nintendo obviously isn't doing that well. So, you look at the... By, by generation, yeah, PlayStation is is sitting there, with, you know, at 50 million units, probably going to hit 80 million at least like they did with the PlayStation 4, but that's not growth. That's maintaining what they have while everyone else loses, which means the market massively shrunk, and all that's left is that 80 million that bought the PlayStation. Um, and, and that's where kind of like the Switch comes in, and, and this was something that, that I, I got this idea because of, again, it's not, not because of Kind of Funny, but it's because of something that Kojima said to Kind of Funny, to Greg Miller, um, about the Switch, and that he sees it as a precursor to what the future of gaming is, um, which is... An, an ever-present online, you know, access your game on any device kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he sees the Switch as being, well, you can play at home, play on the go, and because networks aren't there yet to be able to do that always online, you know, kind of gaming experience, that Switch is going to succeed because it's going to show people how much this convenience of playing on your TV and taking it with you seamlessly really is. Because uh, we really haven't had that. 
we, we've had Sony attempt to do that with the Vita, but it didn't really work that well. It wasn't very convenient. There was a lot of uh, lag and a lot, just a lot of issues with that, um, especially when you took it outside of your home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Kojima said that's why he thinks that the Switch is such a brilliant piece of tech because it's it, it, it's trying to fill a void that nobody realizes exists but Nintendo because the console market is dwindling. It is getting smaller. Despite the PlayStation 4 success, sales figures pan out. We're getting more hardcore AAA games than ever, but sales on those games are sinking, and we are getting less and less console unit sales. I'd be interested to see um, why that is. Because there's, like, I could think of a lot of factors leading up, there's a ton to, of factors. up to why that, like, uh, you know, maybe it's because the people that played video games or that played them up to this point weren't, like, aren't buying consoles anymore, or maybe it's, you know, what have you. Um, some people are satisfied. I mean, I, I know some people just look at, like, the, the, the smart device market as, oh, it only impacted Nintendo. How do you know it didn't impact everyone? I think it's fair to say that, that mobile gaming drastically impacted tons. It, it impacted everything. Yeah, like, it wasn't just Nintendo by that. And, and plus, you also have to look at it. The PC gaming market is, is doing, like, the best it's ever well, done. Well, because... Sales of PC gaming <clears throat> is, like way up there and, and I, at least in my mind a part of that is because consumers are becoming a little smarter they look at playstation 4 and xbox one you got to install your game that was like the big convenience consoles had over over uh computers you know, computers was you plug and play mm-hmm. well now it's not plug and play anymore now you got to install you got to download you you buy you get a game on launch you might not be able to play it at midnight you got to wait until 6 a.m when it's finally done installing well and also as technology has progressed consumer gaming computers have become cheaper um so you see and i say cheaper relatively they're no longer three to four thousand dollars they're maybe about 1500 for a nice one um if you want like 64 gigabytes of ram and a 1070 you know card that's that's going to cost you a little bit more but a a basic like computer like a a a gaming pc isn't all as as expensive as it used to be um and so yeah it, they said uh there was a i forget who did this it might have been amd who put it out there but like most of the like pc gaming like people who call themselves pc gamers and, and game on computers they're gaming on systems that cost less than 500 dollars. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and, and pc games whether it's the latest assassin's creed and call of duty or it's league of legends scale down to that hardware mm-hmm. so people can play those games so like they're getting they're getting things that are more easy to upgrade uh, and at times are cheaper than what's out there. Someone put together, um, this was on like the YouTube channel Tech Source or whatever, put together like a $350 PC that outperforms the PlayStation 4 Pro. Well, that's crazy. I'd say also. That's a, four, that's a 4K <clears throat> system that costs more than that. It's just like. You need to give that guy my number. My and, and that's sucks. just one factor. Obviously, that's just one factor. Well, and I'd say okay. also. Like PC along, gaming is becoming more affordable. Well, like you said too, is that. Um, a lot of people are not necessarily everyone's becoming money conscious all of a sudden, but um, <laughs> it is in a way more money conscious the PC game because as as things progress, your your system might not necessarily become obsolete, but as opposed to buying another four or five hundred dollar console, buy like you know a, a hundred dollar RAM chip or, or a or another or. A, Sorry, I meant graphics card. Another hundred dollar, two hundred dollar mm-hmm. graphics card, and upgrade your PC, or mm-hmm. get a get some more RAM for it. Like I don't think the computer I currently have, the one I used to edit video, the one I used to, to game with, is is gonna mm-hmm. go out of commission or out of style anytime soon. I think I'll have this thing for a long time, 
mm-hmm. because it's it's pretty much not state of the art, but it's it's pretty good for what it for what it is. Sure. Um, and that might be the reason why, you know, a lot of people see these things. Like a lot of people see consoles as well. It's it's kind of like a Mac. I'll put it that way. When you buy a <laughs> Mac, you can't really upgrade the computer unless you know what you're doing and you can completely replace the motherboard and you can do all this thing, all this stuff, because they're, they're not upgradable. You buy a Mac and then that's what you've got. If you want something better, you're going to have to buy a new one. And it's kind of like what you have with consoles. You can't really take out a PS4's RAM and then add some more to it. Um, that's not how they work. And so a lot of people are, are seeing that and being like, well, okay, well, why would I... First off, why would I buy a PS4 for games that I typically already that I could play on the PC, um, also that the PC I can upgrade later on. And yeah, like you said, like you, you make this point all the time, uh, Nate, when you talk about games moving consoles, but I don't know if that's a thing that happens as much anymore as you see like, oh, well, Uncharted 4 comes out, all of a sudden Sony sells 100 million consoles. It's... it's um... Well, I mean, that's always... That's always a stretch because there's been what two home consoles in the history of gaming that have sold over a hundred million. Yeah. Um, so like, the idea is that there's there's a there's a place for console gaming, right? Like it, it's not going to go away. The fact that PlayStation Four is as popular as it, as it is, um, kind of shows that. the The question is, is console gaming at, at least the, the way that I viewed it was that console gaming might be becoming a bit. It's hard saying this niche. niche yeah. Like, sorry, a majority of people who play games are on phones. And as hard as that is for people like Colin Moriarty and others to understand that, like, that's a legit market that most people, almost everyone, including console gamers, do actively game on. Um, it, it's one of those things where there is a difference between console gaming and that and, and, you know, and PC gaming and that. But reality is that's where a majority of the marketplace has shifted to. And what we are doing now with console gaming and even PC gaming to some extent is we're just living in that niche where we want those higher quality products, but a vast majority of consumers don't care mm-hmm. to have products that are that are that high of quality. They don't care about having Horizon. They don't care about Breath of the Wild. You know, having to have products that, that big, um, especially when it's a little inconvenient. You have to sit in front of your TV to play. Mm-hmm. You can't just take it to your bedroom. That, that's why you've you can't seen just take it with you. And that's why. I mean, yeah. Steam is filled with it, it, so much garbage honestly yeah. and it's it will yet to see if that steam direct helps with anything um but it, it's kind of one of those that's where kojima and people saw see like the switch might actually be able to reinvigorate like i know some people are like oh why is it being called a home console well because nintendo wants it to be called a home console because <laughs> the the traditional home console that box you just keep under your tv all the time is becoming obsolete mm-hmm. uh you know, not obsolete. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it's se, obsolete. Just, it, it might be. Yeah, well, more absolute, obsolete to consumers' needs, mm-hmm. daily needs. Like, consumers don't mind sitting in front of their their big TVs to obviously watch movies and, and do this stuff, but like, their lives are on the go. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the switch that, is that's the where the switch kind of comes step, in. Um, to yes. take. but yes. like, there is going to be the section of people that want the, the PS PS4 Pro, the highest power. That they could possibly get. Um, well, just like there's like me, I have an, I have what an eighteen hundred dollar uh, uh, desktop here for video editing and gaming, and that's uh, you know that's pretty much at the high end of desktop stuff. You know, GTX ten seventy, etc. There's go, there's always a market for that. Well, but you also but that's not the primary. Yeah, market. well, like it, and when you talked about the PS four Pro, 
um, and it's we're kind of going on this train that kind of funny has talked about that too is that was kind of an answer to a question that nobody had um, and we've seen that and how it's sales um, because that's a subset of a subset so mm-hmm. we've already talked yeah. about how console gaming is becoming niche 4k console gaming is even more niche like that's something that not first off while 4k TVs are becoming less expensive I, I don't really know anyone with a 4K TV. No, me neither. Um, yeah, 4K TVs are really cheap. Like, you can go to Walmart, $300, have a 4-inch yeah. 4K. But the thing is, is it's not so much that how affordable they are. It's that people still have their 1080s and don't see a reason to upgrade. Yeah. Well, and it's and, funny, and so too, you, how that's Why am I getting this 4K TV? Like, like, especially since, you know, let's say that, you know, I, I don't know, do, do, at least half of consumers, if not more, that own a, own a 1080p TV don't even game on it. They just watch TV. And if you think about that, outside of Netflix with their 4K support, pretty much nothing else gives you 4K. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have DirecTV, you don't have 4K. Anything. You don't have 4K anything with Charter. You don't have 4K anything with, with Dish Network. And that might be changing over the next, you know, decade, I'm assuming. But, you know, it's still one of those... The broadcasting and the TV stuff isn't really consistently in 4K outside of Netflix. Mm-hmm. So well, and it's you're funny. not really going to see 4K becoming, you know, we're, we're probably what? I'd say, I would say we're probably five to 10 years away from, from 4K really having full penetration. And by then, now everyone's talking about 8K. Yeah, I'll be talking about something else. Whatever else is after. So I'm looking at a list of the best-selling consoles um, that there are. The top three, the three yeah. that have moved more than uh, 100 million units, there were every single one of them was not the most powerful of its console generation. So I mean that pretty much yes. goes you, goes to show you everything you need to know right there. So like I, I think the Switch is the next logical step. Uh, like and you know on one hand I could see it being a success of Wii proportions, um, and I hope that it is. Well, that's what Nintendo yeah, expects, and, and yeah. I hope that it is. I, I like I think. <clears throat> Well, I'm not sure. I think it's either going to be really successful or it's really not. I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of... Yeah, it's funny because uh, there's been a lot of focus on, like, the specs, you know, like, oh, it's not at Xbox One level, it's not this, it's not that. I'm like, but it doesn't... Like, well, it's not trying to be. Those levels Those levels aren't selling, like, it's almost as if everyone's like, well, the PlayStation 4 is selling. Well, I'm like, yes, one console can do that. Mm-hmm. Like... One console can feed that niche. It doesn't need three consoles trying to feed it. If it were a matter of power, um, the Vita would there's no there's the no middle ground too. console that's like we'll give you high end AAA gaming that you could take anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. That yeah, you're not gonna you know you're not gonna have like say Horizon Zero Dawn visuals, but you can have something that you know you throw Breath of the Wild in there, looks comparable mm-hmm. to, to to most people. You know, general consumers. You know, I could look at it and know okay, that doesn't look like Horizon Zero Dawn. But, you know, you have someone playing it on that, someone playing it on TV, they might glance back and forth, and who knows, in, in moments, might confuse the games. I think overall, um, just to kind of uh, move on from this, is that yeah. <clears throat> when you have um, a, a, a market as saturated, I guess, if you want to call it like we do, <laughs> um, it's, it's still a weird saying because there's only three main consoles on the market right now, and there's going to be four, but the Wii U's gonna drop off so there'll still be three um that like nate said you don't need one to fulfill every single need um because that's what differentiates the consoles yeah, to and begin i don't with. think one can yeah and and it shouldn't like you, you don't need to you don't um that's when when nintendo or when people complain that nintendo doesn't you know meet the super hardcore gamers or the super casual gamers where they are they don't need to um i don't i don't own an xbox one and i don't probably ever plan on buying one 
but that's okay. It, it doesn't meet my needs or my my perceived needs um, for gaming, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I don't need one, and it's not my my purchase or lack thereof is not going to hurt that. Um, but at the same time, like I my perceived needs for gaming say, well, the Switch is what I need. A Switch is what I want, and so that's that's going to answer that that question or that void where um, I am. And we don't. I don't need something like if I had to make a check checklist of things that I want out of a g- gaming console, 4K gaming, and you know, um, you know, some of the other features like uh, the specs that the PS4 has or some of the specs the Xbox One have. They're not on that list. And so I don't. Not that I don't care about it, but it doesn't matter as much to me as saying, well, I want to be able mm-hmm. to play Mario, Zelda. I want to be able to have a, a Nintendo console. I want to be able to play it on the go. Like that's filling in what i need in that in that area of the market and i think that that's ultimately where um that stands is like you said it doesn't need to fulfill every need and it shouldn't um because not everyone needs or wants the same thing and that's why there's three different companies that are still successful um despite some setbacks because every person has a different opinion a different like and dislike for what they want out of a console what they want out of games and so there's always going to be you know divisive sides uh, as it were because Totally. Yeah, it's 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 that's just the nature of of opinions in the market in general. Yeah, and then you end up with like consumers like me. I don't know how common of a consumer I am. Like I care about high end 4K stuff. Hence, I have a really nice computer. I have a big 4K TV, which is broken, <laughs> sucks. I'm trying to get warranty to take care of it, and the whole whole mess with that. Uh, but as as I look forward to it, you know, I I got all that going for me, and. I still have other desires in gaming that that's not going to fulfill. And I think in an ideal world in my brain, the switch is this massive, you know, $2,000 4k gaming machine I could take with me and plug into my TV and have it all work. And that's just not typically how it goes. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like as a consumer, there's still a void in my life with being able to put something on my TV and take it with me that I didn't realize was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I personally um, am, am that unique consumer, I guess, where I, I desire that 4K stuff, but I have stuff to do that. Yeah. What I don't have is something that can give me a console-like gaming experience on the go. And that's what the Switch offers. Yeah. Is it as high-fidelity as my computer? No. But do I really want to spend $1,800 on a portable <laughs> thing that lasts for 10 minutes? <clears throat> like, no, no, not really. <laughs> so um so i'm kind of i'm one of those weird consumers where i love the high end but man that bottom end is nice too yeah. um and that's what nintendo gives me and it's really weird that we even got on this topic because originally you started with saying um you know uh, about comparisons between uh, horizon and, and breath of the yeah wild. we were you know talking about her- uh, comparisons between horizon and breath of the wild and it, it kind of went into this whole thing about um you know is there anything that is held against Zelda or Zelda gets a pass on? Um, and, and this kind of goes over Nintendo in general. Like Nintendo in general seems to seems to get a pass on a lot of things. Um, but the pass seems to come from the fan base itself. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of outsiders don't really view it as a pass. Like the fact that Nintendo's now charging for online without proving that they're worthy of charging for online. Um, and, and like I, I watched this video the other day that Nintendo is getting chastised for basically what everyone else does. Um, like, oh, there's DLC in Zelda. 
well, we better rip them apart because they made DLC in Zelda, despite the fact that every video game on the market has DLC. <laughs> um, and it's it's an interesting dynamic where you look at how Breath of the Wild is going to be looked at um, under a microscope. Like, it's got voice acting, but maybe it's only in cutscenes. Yeah. Uh, is that good enough? Well, that and, and and should that be viewed as good enough? Well, and the like, thing is, is is in in Breath of the Wild terms, do we want it to be compared to? And it's, it, this is going to be again another inevitable comparison, um, sure. because it is a Japanese game, and in many, 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 many Japanese RPGs, you'll see three different types of cutscenes. You'll see the fully rendered cutscenes with voice acting. You'll see the regular uh, cutscenes where they're just the character models with the dialogue boxes and, and the voice acting. And then you'll see cutscenes with the character models with no voice acting. And that's a very Japanese thing to do. That, that's how it is. Um, they, you see that in the... Ta- it's weird. Yeah, you see that in the Tales of Games, Nino Kuni. Um, it, it, I, that's definitely Breath of the Wild from what I could to, tell. To be fair... Well, to be fair, uh, from what I... At least my experience with the Tales of games, it almost felt like they ran out of money. Well, that's that's how I felt with Nino Kuni. Um, <laughs> it's it's like they had they were doing so well, and then all of a sudden just stopped. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, and that's that's also the other thing too is like uh, for Nino Kuni for a while they had uh, like Studio Ghibli did most of the animation for that game, but as in terms of the cutscenes, but as you go further through the game, that type of animation just tapers off little by little, um, so you stop mm-hmm. seeing it as much, and then you move into the other cutscenes where they're still voice acting, and then that kind of tapers off. Um, so you know, there's definitely a balancing of budget thing there. Uh, but you also, yeah. like with Breath of the Wild, seeing those types of cutscenes isn't abnormal from a Japanese company because that no, that's it's not. But I do think that in Breath of the Wild, every cutscene is gonna be voice acted. Yeah. Well, and I I think that uh, well, like for example, when you meet the old man, his his voice isn't like he doesn't have a, a vocal uh, recording for him the first time you meet him. Um, but he might in a cutscene. Well, yeah, he might in a cutscene. Because because you don't meet him in a cutscene, you meet him in more of a gameplay situation. Yeah, and exactly that's what, that's what I was talking about. And that term of cutscene is there's going to be those, and there's going to be fully voice acted and maybe fully rendered cutscenes. Um, that's that's just the nature of of that type of game. Um, but this is inevitably going to be compared to a game like uh, Fallout, where every character interaction that you have has voice acting. Um, and yeah, it, it's one of those that I almost feel. I feel bad for Nintendo in a sense that, um, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled that Zelda has any voice acting at all. Oh yeah, because I've always wanted voice acting. Is this the level of voice acting I would like? No, I, I want everything voiced. I don't want to, I don't want to have to read text box ever. Yeah, but, um, you know, and and maybe you know you could always offer you know you know turn them off or whatever. But it, it, it's one of those things that. At least in my mind, and maybe this is where Nintendo gets a pass because, like, it you know you said you compared to Fallout Four or some pretty much anything Grand Theft Auto, any other open world game, it's pretty much all one hundred percent Western open world game. Western, yeah, Western, and that's the thing. I like you said very Japanese. This is a game that doesn't feel Japanese. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess that makes sense since it seems that E.J. Nomo drew a lot of inspiration from Western games. Um, he admitted in a recent interview that like for a long time he just didn't play any other games but nintendo games um and then while he was making breath of the wild he made a point to play like skyrim and grand theft auto and all these other open world kind of games made out of the west and 
he doesn't say he actually took any ideas out of those games, but it made him understand the appeal of, of that kind of game. Um, and obviously, Breath of the Wild, at least based on my time with it, uh, it does not feel like a Japanese game, which is why it, it does feel weird when you when you open your eyes, Link, and then the first character interaction is just a text box. It's like, okay, that's a little jarring. Yeah. Um, and the question is, because it's Zelda, you know, th- does that get a pass? Because, like, as a Zelda fan, I, it feels like I'm more willing to be lenient about it. Like, at least they're going in the right direction, yeah, right? So, like, I think that's where so, this... like they have voice acting in cutscenes, but then the next game around, maybe then they'll dabble into full. Well, voice I think acting. that's where that game, this game's gonna get a lot of leeway is, uh, in areas where they have, um, they have done things that um, they haven't in the past. So, mm-hmm. like, the open world will get a pass if it's if it's a little emptier than, say, Skyrim or something, if there's less encounters or whatever. The... I was going to say, Skyrim's already really <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, but, I mean, if it's even emptier. But, like, if you see... Oh, my gosh. If it's emptier than that. But if you see, like... I'm going to pull my like hair Like, with the voice game, or with the voice acting, um, and apparently I ran out of space for recording video. So, that's awesome. I'll just toss up an image. Um... <laughs> yeah great wonderful lovely and andy's andy's vanished because his computer crashed yeah i saw, I saw all this is wonderful it's great I, hey at least i made sure everything works on my yeah, end I, i'm gonna get a new camera soon anyway so i'll be fine um <laughs> but this this means i can basically be naked while i record the podcast now and none of you will know um but i think that uh nintendo will get a pass in a lot of areas where they have um not not acted in the past uh, so, like I said, you'll see people being more lenient with their voice acting. Um, but should they get a pass? That's that's the thing I I asked earlier. Um, yeah, like I I, <coughs> I like as a Zelda gamer, I feel like I am more you know more lenient in that way, I guess, mm-hmm. because um, you know don't bite the hand that feeds you. Just be happy they did anything. <laughs> but but I, part of me now that like because you know. You know, for for, the, for those out there who don't know, like within a couple of months here, I'm kind of moving beyond Zelda Informer and doing my own thing. Um, and as I as I'm starting to look into that and, and covering more games, um, and starting to starting to get outside of the Zelda bubble as it is. Like I've been in this Zelda bubble for like 18 years, mm-hmm. right? So like as I get more outside of it in terms of not not in terms of experiencing games because I've always played other games, always played multiple platforms. I've never just been a Nintendo gamer, but I've never really gotten into the communities, right? Um, like the Mario community. It's a Nintendo game. Never really got into it till now. Um, so like, as I explore all these other various fan communities out there, uh, not just internet personalities, but actually get into the people who enjoy that stuff. And as I'm conversing with them, it, it makes me realize that in a way, Zelda shouldn't get a pass because it's their first time trying something. No, I agree. Um... Uh, because it's tw- it is 2017. And a lot of this stuff has been happening in the industry for years. And Nintendo's had all this time to try to get it right. Um, and, you know, I, I understand things like voice acting, as an example, is a big deal. Going open world is a big deal. Um, and nobody gets it perfect. Yeah. But it, it's it's just really hard. Um as someone who's followed the Zelda series for so long to try to be objective about it when reality is that I'm not it. I'm not like all the people that are going to review this game have probably played a Zelda game before and are going to end up being lenient when maybe they shouldn't. Like Horizon Zero Dawn came out as a brand new IP and could do all this stuff right. Why can't a Zelda game do it? Um, and the thing <laughs> is, 
I'm not trying to be openly critical and be like, because we don't know if Breath of the Wild is going to be empty. We don't know, you know, we, we do know that it's not fully voice acted, so maybe that's something we could already criticize. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, like, is it more empty than any other open world game? I don't know. My time with it, I felt there was plenty of content, but I was only on the Great Plateau. You know, is that the way the whole game is? I have no idea. Uh, and there was people already saying, oh, the Great Plateau looks empty. And I'm just, you know, and I always responded to that, and this is maybe my Nintendo Defense Force coming on, have you played other <laughs> open world games? Because they're really empty too. Yeah. Because that's, the, the thrill of an open world game is the exploration and the adventure. You don't need to have an enemy every 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's one of those things where, you know, does it strike that right balance? I have no idea. We haven't played it yet. And I, I just hope that reviewers, and maybe even Zelda fans too, like, Let's just not give this game a pass on things that it maybe could be doing a heck of a lot better. Um, and, and I think maybe that's where Horizon Zero Dawn might even help reviewers maybe be more critical of, of Zelda because as much as I don't want to say, like, oh, it's going to review worse because of Horizon Zero Dawn, it, it's just that if, if Horizon Zero Dawn, haven't played it yet, does all these things well, and Zelda doesn't have to be Horizon Zero Dawn, so, so I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is that what Zelda does has been done better, as an example. Mm-hmm. There's something in this game that it does that has been done better <clears throat> and can be done better. And Nintendo didn't do it after having six years of development time. Well, there's there's a lot to be said about that, too. It's kind of like, um, this is this is an extreme example, but imagine if you were a car uh, company. With, like, let's say Ford, uh, Toyota, and Honda. Let's Let's just pick those two. So let's say... Ford and Toyota for years have been putting air conditioning in cars. <laughs> and um, Toyota has never done that until 2017. This is the first year they're putting air conditioning in cars. Would we give that company a pass and say, well, oh, they're finally doing something new? Or would we say this is something that should have been in the game in the first or in the car in the first place? And it's kind of the same thing. Especially if that something doesn't work quite as well as the other. Yeah, ones. and this is kind of the same thing with Zelda is like, do we give it a pass for not having things that should have been in the game in the first place? And you can argue on whether or not the game needs voice acting or needs an open world, and you can make this or that argument. Needs, needs an item management yeah, system, like you could, breakable items. You can you could say all these things aren't needed. You could say they aren't necessary. Um, but the fact of the matter is, they're doing things that they should have done a while back. Um, in in a majority opinion, that's what people are saying. And I think that they will be and should be judged fairly on that that if they haven't figured it out by now that they should be like okay well you know they they tried open world and it still has a long way to go for nintendo or they tried voice acting it still has a long way to go for nintendo and and that's not bad um one of the things yeah like like none of this means the game's bad i i I don't think there's any reviewer that's going to walk away from breath of the wild and be like this is a bad game It's, it's just one of those things where um i think for nintendo's sake because E.J. Nomo openly admitted that they listened to feedback, right? And the feedback that they get from the West comes from Nintendo of America, and their feedback comes from what they read in reviews, okay? Mm-hmm. Because they're a Japanese company, they don't, you know, they're not as interactive with the fan base to get that kind of feedback. So they just, they just get what reviewers are saying, and it, it's kind of one of those. I want reviewers to be fair. I don't want them to show a lot of bias towards this is Zelda. This, I mean, let's just presume, right? This is even a huge presumption, given the the long history with the series. But let's say this is the best Zelda game ever made, right? It's universally agreed it's better than Ocarina of Time, better than A Link to the Past, better than Twilight Princess, better than every game Nintendo's ever made in the Zelda series. 
However, there's X, Y, and Z that it could be doing better. If the reviewers don't bring up X, Y, and Z, Nintendo doesn't get X, Y, and Z feedback. Zelda doesn't get yeah. better. And so, like, it's one of those that, like, I don't want this criticism to come because, oh my God, a- attack the game. No, it's it, it's that <laughs> that criticism is what makes their next attempt at this better. And sales of the game will obviously determine if they want to even try an open world mm-hmm. game again. So it's kind of one of the, it's almost catch right too. Like you want good enough reviews, but it doesn't have to be like, like Ocarina of Time has, has, you know, the best review score of all time. It doesn't have to have the best review score of all time to be the best. Zelda yes. Game. Okay. Like different eras, different expectations. It's funny you mentioned that because that was one of my other topics um, is that uh, should Breath of the Wild get a perfect score? Um, and if not, why? And I'd agree. I think that, um, that there's no, no such thing as the perfect game. Um, there's there's no, no game that has done everything it's attempted think, to do yeah. perfectly. I don't think any game deserves a. I don't. I, I I'd agree now, with that. Um, I do understand like so some of the tens also are based on like the review system. Mm-hmm. Like IGN has has no excuse to give a game a ten because they do points like nine point one, nine point two, nine point three. So like to to me a system like that you know where you're basically working on a hundred point scale you don't ever have to give a game a hundred. Uh, but there, there's also like at, at my site, you know, at Nintendo Prime, we do uh, five uh, a five star scale with half stars. Like it's really hard to. W- w- what do you do if you think a game's better than a four and a half but not a five? Like the the you know so so some of the some of it's just going to be based on the scale yeah. they use. Um, like they don't really think it's a ten, but it's not a four and a half. Like it's not a nine. It's not a ten, but they'd have no way to score it in between. Um, but. Yeah, it's going to be, like, I, I don't know. I just don't think any game deserves deserves a perfect it's, score. I, well, I had this professor, um, I, it might have been my sophomore year of college, who never gave out hundreds. Um, and he did that because, on, on paper, so he did that because he didn't think that there was any paper that was perfect and that there's always room for improvement. Um, that sucks being the yeah. student, never getting a hundred on a paper. Um, but that shows you that there's always some room to improve. And I think that that's important to keep in mind for Zelda is that just because it gets a nine or just because it gets an eight, that doesn't mean it's not a fantastic game. That means that there's some things that it needs to improve and there's some things that it can do better. Um, if Yes. And, yeah, and, and that's why I want them to yeah. be fair. Because I think for a while, Zelda's just kind of gotten a pass on a lot of things um, because that, that's the way it's always been or yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, yes, that is the way it's always been. Like, yes, Zelda's never had voice acting before. That doesn't give it an excuse not to have voice acting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe that gives them an excuse. Like, if they have, like, I do think, you know, if they ever do full voice acting, yes, they should offer an option to turn it off. That's not uncommon. There are other games of full voice acting that offer you the option to turn it off and just have the, the text mm-hmm. boxes. Um, or, you know, even have a, you know, have a toggle for both. You know, like, you can have text boxes and voice acting on or just turn one off, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, that's the thing. Gaming's advanced to the point where that's standard. And Nintendo wasn't offering standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really weird because we're talking about a standard and then we're talking about the switch, which is non-standard. <laughs> so like, it, it's really two different things. And, and it's almost like Zelda fights against what Nintendo is, right? Like Zelda is very much like a traditional triple a game. Switch is not a traditional triple a gaming console. So it's, you know, a lot of what Nintendo makes isn't traditional AAA games. I, I would not describe what they make <laughs> traditionally as that. Like, a Pikmin 3 doesn't feel like, you know, an Uncharted yeah. 4. 
You know, like like there's just a clear difference, and that's that's not a quality difference. It's just the kind of game mm-hmm. it is. Um, and Nintendo makes a lot of those kind of games that that don't compare necessarily well to traditional AAA games, except for Zelda. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's like it's really weird talking about how we want Zelda to to kind of bite the bullet and be compared to its its contemporaries while at the same time it's releasing on a system that we just kind of made an argument for shouldn't be compared to its contemporaries because it, this kind of system needs to exist in the ecosystem that's currently out there in the gaming world um it's a really weird dynamic yeah, i'd agree but i just hope that since zelda is that kind of game like breath of the wild very clearly is that kind of game then it should be judged as such um and, and that's, I know there's gonna someone's gonna do it. Someone's gonna say this is the greatest Zelda game of all time, but they're gonna give it a lower review review score than they have given other Zelda games. It's going to happen, and fans are gonna explode and call him a hypocrite. And it, it's just, I think it's always important to note that different generations have different expectations. Like back when Ocarina of Time came out, no one expected. Well, nobody that. expected. It's the same thing. Like. <clears throat> Nobody would have expected out of a Nintendo 64 game, full voice acting, a giant, expansive open world. Um, Ocarina yeah. of Time was big. It was, it was all unexpected. Yeah. It was un- unexpected. And nobody, nobody would have expected any of the things that we expect out of video games today back then. Like, they wouldn't have known to yeah. expect these things. Um, and that's the thing. Breath of the Wild has expectations based on where the industry has yeah. been. And, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn is just another example of, like, this. the industry's doing these kind of mm-hmm. games. And they're doing them really, really well. And you, you know, you just say, oh, well, we do have voice acting. Oh, now we do have open world. You can't just say that. You have to deliver at, like, a same quality level that other people mm-hmm. are, at least. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have, like, oh, like, new ideas or, or new things you're doing no one else has done. Like, of course you can. And I'm sure this game will. I'm sure the way that... that the thing that excites me most about Breath of the Wild isn't the world. It's the story. Because whatever they're doing with the story in this game is apparently an idea that Ijinoma's had percolating for 20 years. So it's like this idea he's just always had, and he's had all this time to come up with it. And it sounds, at least based on the little tidbits we've heard, that this is something that hasn't happened in gaming before, story-wise, mm-hmm. in terms of how it approaches telling it. And that's something good. that's exciting. I, I don't know what to expect. Um, but like when you have open world, you have this, you have voice acting, like there are expectations out there already. Uh, whereas Ocarina of Time, like when that came out and it got, you know, the highest review game of all time, most of what it did was never expected because no one knew it what to expect. It set expectations for later games. Yes. And yes. And, and Breath of the Wild might set expectations for future Zelda games, but there are already open world games that have set expectations for what, what Zelda Well, and, and, and who knows? It could set expectations for future open world games or open games... It could. In, in uh, that's the thing. Like, we don't yeah. know. We don't know. The, the only thing that, that we do know is that it, it's not necessarily up to snuff in terms of how it approaches voice acting. Um, and I can already guarantee it's going to get a pass on that. Yeah, just because, it, again, like it hasn't done it before. But that, uh, Yeah, because the people that review it are going to be Zelda. The people who played Zelda, and they'll just be like, hey, look, like this is a, a great first step. Yeah. Which it is. It really is. It's just this first step should have happened like a Twilight Princess. Well, and the thing is, is when you take a first step... You shouldn't, you shouldn't say, "Oh, that was a perfect first step." You should say that it's it's a first step to something perfect. Um, like, yeah. no, no, yeah. no first step that you take in in 
experimenting with things is should be it, the best. Yeah, step you should never say, "Oh, this is step. the best that it's gonna get," because if it, that's the best it's gonna get, then you know technology would have been stunted a long time ago. People would have stopped right where they started, and, sure. and I, I think that that should be explored deeply in these reviews. Saying, "Okay, well, like you said, that since Nintendo doesn't necessarily uh, integrate with with the reviews." They they just listen to them sometimes, um, yep. but yeah, they listen to Japanese fan feedback, yeah. but they only listen to Western. <clears throat> but to hear things like, okay, well, this is a great step in the right direction. It's not where it should be. It's not where it could be, but it's it's a good first yeah, start. Yeah, be like you're you're doing good. Here's how you could do it better next yeah. time around. And, and I hope that's the 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 eye that I mean that's really the eye all video games should be viewed under like. Okay, like, yeah, even Uncharted 4, like, oh, this is great. This is a great way to conclude everything. But clearly there's a setup for another game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, okay, well, you did all this stuff great, but here's how you could, you know, build off it. And it doesn't mean you have to, like, you're not a game developer. Like, I'm not a game developer. You're not a game developer. Like, we don't have to be the <laughs> ones that come up with the ideas, but we can be like, you just look, like, there's this, but I feel like there's more that can be mm-hmm. done with that. And just voice acting happens to be one of the easy ones where it's like, Yes, you did this, but here's how you can do even more. Um, so that's why that's a really easy example to go to because we have tons of examples of yeah. more. Um, so I think that we've we've beaten that one to death in terms of just talking about Breath of the Wild and review scores. Love Breath yep. of the Wild. Um, Excited. Yeah, we'll we'll be definitely talking about that for the next few months. Like I don't think that we're going <laughs> to stop talking about that game. Um, but to to, to kind of wrap this up, um, so I don't want to sure. go too long. Um, I'm going to hit on yep. a kind of a fun topic this week, kind of an opinion one. Um, so Love these there ones. have been many iterations of Zelda and Link throughout the years. Um, we've seen them sure. from the NES to the Super Nintendo to GameCube to N64 to Wii to Switch to DS to Game Boy Advance. So all, all these different iterations of them, um, including the CDI, uh, where you see them portrayed in different ways. You see them uh, act out in different ways. Um, whether or not there's act voice acting or whether or not they have dialogue. Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to know, uh, out of the two of us that are left, um, what is your favorite iteration of Zelda and what is your favorite iteration of Link? Man. That's so tough. I know. Like, I'm just... I knew that was where you were leading. And I'm just like, you forgot the cartoon series. Um but I don't think either one of us would fit the cartoon series. Like, I thing is, I, I think it's actually entertaining. I just, it's not really, like, where, you know, there's a reason it only went one season. Like, it's not really where people yeah. want to see those characters go. Um, I, I think it was an interesting idea. It just wasn't executed mm-hmm. well. Um, So, the, I mean, this is, because, like, we're just talking about characters, right? So it's not games. Mm-hmm. So it's just which iteration is a... Zelda 2 or Zelda's asleep the whole time? <laughs> Um, you don't hear anything from her. <laughs> that's, that's such a cop out <laughs> answer. There is, there is no. Basically, it's a game without Zelda that because she's mm-hmm. sleeping. Uh, I, you know, it, it's tough because part of me, like Zelda's played so many different roles. Like just the character, um, you know, in Twilight Princess, obviously she had like this huge epic role in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, she saved Minda's life by almost sacrificing her own, and yada yada yada. You know, she had to sacrifice her kingdom, otherwise she would have died. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff with that. Uh, you, you know, you got the Tetra version where she's there the whole time and doesn't realize she's Zelda. Um, and there's things like Spirit Tracks where she's literally your companion the whole way. Mm-hmm. 
and so many more. You know, I know a lot of people are going to say like the Ocarina of Time Zelda is their favorite, um, and that's understandable why I get it. Uh, you know, spoiler warning: she's chic, <laughs> um, pretty badass. I, I I gotta admit, like that's that's pretty badass. Um, so it's tough for me because I have played all these games and I love so many different iterations. You know, if I had to just pick one, I I guess maybe it's an iteration that I'd like to see come back. Oh, it's tough. I like, I almost want to say Breath of the Wild, but I guess I, it's a cop out. That's a cop out because we don't know enough. It just, the, the excitement of what it Mm. could be and what her character could be. Yeah, like, like to me so far, like Breath of the Wild seems like that's gonna be my my favorite version of Zelda. Uh, but like, I've never cried. I don't cry to video games like hardly ever. <laughs> and I cried to a scene of her crying when I didn't even know what she's crying about. Like that's crazy. That I already have that emotion for this Zelda. But, um, you know, maybe just the one in. I I, I guess I have to go with one that that I liked a lot. It, it would be. Uh, the one from Wind Waker for Zelda mm-hmm. herself. Just because um, she's a tough character. She's a leader. Uh, and one thing I really liked about her being a leader is you saw her actually lead a crew. Yeah. Um, and take charge and take command. And, like, as much as she's often called a princess or, like, in Twilight Princess where we see she's more like a queen in Twilight Princess, um, you don't really ever see her take charge, take command, actually run the kingdom. Um, it's it, and that's like she's royalty that doesn't actually act like royalty. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. But in the Wind Waker, she takes charge of her crew. She is clearly the leader. She's clearly the one deciding everything that happens for the betterment of herself or the betterment of her crew. Um, and I like that. Like that that's the kind of Zelda that it feels like a ruler should be. Um, and maybe that's the kind of Zelda that that exists in Breath of the Wild. I don't know. But that, that's something that I really love about Tetra. Um, even more so than the fact, oh, she's a pirate, <laughs> and oh, she ends up being Zelda. Like that, I mean, it's a great story, but the personality of that is the is the kind of personality I like. I, I would love to see like every Zelda be yeah. that way. And um, I, I, it kind of just kind of piggyback, because that was going to be my yeah. answer, too. Um, <clears throat> I, I like seeing Zelda uh, first and foremost as a non-traditional Zelda. Um, so like a character that we, we don't typically see, um, in terms of her development. Um, but also the fact that we're always treated like, okay, well, Zelda is like this pristine royal figure. And even, even when you see Sheik in Ocarina of Time, it's clear that there's a distinction between who they are as, as, Mm -hmm. as dual identities of the same person. Um, because Zelda is not necessarily frail, but she's not this you know, stealthy fighter, um, where Sheik is, and, um, be interesting if you wanted to talk about dissociative identity disorder with Sheik, but I don't think it's the case. Yeah. But, um, with, new editorial, with, uh, with, with Tetra, you see someone who is, is a hard ass on her crew. Um, she, Mm. she doesn't take crap from anyone. Um, she's (laughs) not a princess by any means. Like you don't see her and think, oh man, she's, She's this sweet girl. She's so innocent. I mean, she's a pirate. She's a pirate captain. Um, and and yeah. she's, you know, she's curt towards Link at the very beginning when she meets him. Um, she never really, like, treats him lovingly. She's always just like, okay, let's let's get over with it. Let's just get this over with. 
Um, and that's just kind of her personality. And so we see a Zelda progress in a way that um, she's Zelda, but she doesn't want to be. It's not something that she sought out. It's not something that she actually likes. And at the end of, of Wind Waker, we see her go back to being Tetra. And at the beginning of uh, Phantom Hourglass, it's still Tetra. Uh, so that's that's her preferred, I guess not form, but her preferred identity is that of Tetra as opposed to Zelda. And then, so I think that that's, you know, I think it's unique. And that may be why I prefer mm-hmm. that is, is because it's a unique take on a character um, that, you know, a character trope. We'll put it that way. Sure. Um, and that's, that's sure. probably why I prefer... Her, that's also my favorite iteration of Zelda. Um, I'm also a little bit more biased towards um, Breath of the Wild, or not Breath of the Wild, Wind Waker, because that's that's my favorite uh, Zelda game. But <laughs> sure, that's that's all. Like I literally, because the Adventure Link is my favorite Zelda game. That's the only reason I brought up Sleeping <laughs> Zelda. Otherwise, I don't think I would have mentioned it. Just because I'm like, oh, how am I going to mention the Adventure Link? Yeah. Uh, so who's your favorite Link then? Um. Let's see. Favorite Link. Uh, this is this is difficult. At the very beginning, when I started at uh, Zelda Informer, I wrote an article comparing Wind Waker Link and Ocarina of Time Link, um, and two very yeah, different yeah, Toon Link. And I made the. I'm actually gonna my next editorial, my next really big one. I'm taking a break from writing for a little while because this last one took about two months of my life. Um, but the next big one I'm going to write is kind of a retraction of what I wrote initially um, in terms of their characters, uh, you know, in a way. But I'd still say that my favorite Link is the Wind Waker Link. Um, and I don't say that lightly because I really like Majora's Mask Link. I like his character and from what we can gain and glean from his character based on the different things he does. But I think that uh, there's aspects of Link's character in Wind Waker um, that make him unique. So we see uh, like he's he's not a hero at the very beginning. Uh, he's not recognized by anyone as a hero. Um, in On Dragon Roost Island, Komali doesn't think, oh man, this is the legendary hero. I better cooperate with him. Um, he's not really seen in a way that you would see him or like you see people treat other links um and he doesn't treat himself the same he doesn't act the same way Uh, he's still very much a kid still very much a a young person and his motives are different he's not out to save hyrule he's out to save his sister um he could not that he could care less about the overall good or general of the world but that's not his goal he's not looking out for hyrule and it's not until after he saves his sister that he decides okay i need to finish what i started and save the world um so there's different levels of complexity to him despite having no voice acting and almost no seeming like over the like surface personality. Um, and I think that the Wind Waker Link, that the Toon Link is a very deep character um, based on his motivations and based on what he does. I think that's why he's one of my favorite um, links. He's also really fun to explore. Like in editorials or in um, theory videos, I, I just find it really fun to explore the character of Toon Link um, in the context of the game that he was in. Um and I, I'm not really talking so much about Spirit Tracks or uh, um, Phantom Hourglass, but uh, mostly in Wind Waker is, is what I'm referring to. I'd say that in that yep. specific game, he's my favorite Link. Nice. Nice. Yeah, my favorite Link is... Yeah. This is tough. Okay. <laughs> because 
The Wind Waker itself contains two, like, you, you have the big three, right? Link, Zelda, and then mm-hmm. Ganondorf. Um, and you know, yes, I am fully aware, by the way, folks, that, like, Ganon and Ganondorf is not the enemy in, like, over half the games. I know. Okay? Trust me, I know. I wrote it in a it. Um, but he's still uh, the most common enemy. And so, like, he, my favorite iteration of Ganondorf is in, in the Wind Waker, and I won't go in-depth on that. Um, and because Zelda and Ganondorf are my favorite iterations of that, it really makes me favor the Link in there mm-hmm. as well. Because that whole triangle of characters, like, I think that's the best triangle of, of, of how they handled the character development. But um, I still really, really prefer... Um, like, you know, you talked about how you like Link in Majora's Mask. I, I don't like how Link is in Majora's Mask <laughs> at all. Um, and it's because I don't think, like, people put a lot of meaning behind him. I, 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 I don't think it has anything to do with anything. Link does things because he doesn't have a choice. He can't leave. He has to do what Happy Mass Salesman wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it, to me, it's more like he's just trying to get the heck out of there. <laughs> and to get the heck out of there, he has to do things. I mean, I'd, I'd um, argue with that, but. Yeah, I know. It's really easy to argue with that. Um, but I just, I always viewed, like, I think it's, I love Majora's Mask. It's one of my favorite games. I just, the Link is not why. It's one of yeah. my favorite games. Uh, but the original iteration of that Link, the, the Hero of Time, the one from Ocarina of Time, that's, like, as much as, you know, I publicly come out and said how much I don't think Ocarina of Time is that great, um, or is at least as great as people claim it is, um, I love Link in that game. It, it, it was my favorite iteration of Link. Um, and I say was because I already know that Breath of the Wild has my favorite iteration of Link. And that's without knowing a mm-hmm. lot. Um, whereas, like, I was going to go to Breath of the Wild with Zelda, and it's like, oh, Zelda, yeah, I don't actually know enough about Zelda. I already know enough about Link. He is resurrected after 100 mm-hmm. years of sleep. He clearly failed. At something. And was nearly killed in the backstory. From from what we what we know what we got off the map, um, and now he doesn't remember anything, and you could choose to just go stop the evil, or you could choose to try to figure out their memories, try to figure out what happened. Um, and while I don't know the full backstory, uh, what here's what I do know: he has a very special relationship with Zelda, maybe unlike any other relationship he's ever had with her. Um. Maybe Skyward Sword, but he spends most of Skyward Sword uh, trying to save her. You don't really get to build that relationship. Where here, he already has a relationship with Zelda, Mm -hmm. clearly. They are seen fighting together. They are seen traveling together. They are seen, you know, taking a break from battle, trying to figure a thing out. They're seen getting emotional together, right? And and that doesn't tell me a lot about Zelda because we we don't see her perspective yet. We see Link's for the most part. We see Link's perspective. And that's what makes me already fall in love with this version of link like you know i hate saying like some of it's like, oh he doesn't have the green tunic because the green tunic doesn't matter what matters is the person the character and like to me the hard part in zelda is as there's always been this debate over is like link a character is he an avatar yada 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 and that's because the series always flip-flops on how much of a character they want to make him and how much of an avatar they want to make him so like we can project ourselves well, kind of like and also they've stated with breath of the wild that link isn't an avatar really He's Link. Like, you can't change yes. his name. He's... Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's what makes me, like, really love this this character. Like, it's weird because they said that and then they go... And then, like, in later interview, like, just last week, Eugene was like, yeah, but, you know, we want you to, like, project yourself into him and, and, and become the character. And it's like, okay, so he's an avatar? 
Uh, well, welcome to EGNO. <laughs> this is just what he does. Uh, but very clearly, Link is a character in this game. Like, there is no doubt. Okay? The fact that you can't change his name, that you, maybe that's because of voice acting reasons. I don't know what, what, what the real decision was behind it. Reality is you can't. Reality is this Link has already done stuff. Right? He, he's already been a, at least a high-ranking person somewhere in Hyrule because he was fighting along with Zelda. Um, so, like, Link has a history here that we don't know about. And Link has um, things that he's done. And most importantly, Link has failed, mm-hmm. right? Like, we know something happened 100 years ago and Link failed. He, he didn't succeed. And outside of the downfall timeline, which Nintendo pulled out of their ass, <laughs> Link has never failed, right? Like, every Zelda game ends with Link succeeding. Um, Unless you and die and then just give this up. This game... Well, yeah, but... Uh, Again, downfall timeline. Just pull it on your ass. Um, so it's like this link. What makes him so interesting to me, even though we don't know everything, and maybe I don't end up liking where everything goes. Still, the idea of this link being a link that has been through a lot, ha- has gone through childhood, has gone through early adulthood, and failed to the point that he had to be put in a resurrection chamber, either because he died. And that's just where, where they put him to rest, you know, hoping that maybe over time he could heal and they could bring him back. Or just because he was severely injured, you know, like what's happened in many other shows, like the Arrow and other stuff where, like, you get severely injured, you get put in some stuff, and then you get healed and you come back. Um, well, whatever the excuse is, you know, we, we mm-hmm. don't know yet. But whatever it is, we know he failed, right? So, like, fact he's failed and he's been through all this stuff and just this game feels like it is going to be the journey of Link discovering himself. Whereas in other games, you could argue that's the case, but it, it never really fulfills it in my yeah. mind, right? Like Link either already is something or he's just told he is something and then he just does it. Like in Twilight Princess, Link starts out like, oh, I want to save my friends from my town. And then he never really, like he saves them, one has amnesia and then that's it. it like his motivation is gone and he just does things because he's told to do it. Midna just tells him to do it, so he does it. Um, and that's kind of the way that to me, Zelda's always felt with, with Link, like where Link is kind of forced to mm-hmm. do things. I use that example from Majora's Mask, but that's the way it's always felt is where Link doesn't have a choice. Like there is nothing else to do besides what you're told to do. Um, and this Link doesn't, doesn't, it feels like he had a choice. He chose it. He tried to live out his destiny and he failed at it. And just that, that idea of failure, that idea of, of growth from that. The idea that this is a character that clearly has a fleshed-out story. It's not like Ocarina of Time where it's like, oh, there was a war and your mother dropped him off at the Great Deku Tree. And that's not even really explained in the game. Yeah, it's, right? it's explored mostly in the non-canon manga. Yeah, the, in the manga. And there's also been like interviews that talked about it but don't really confirm it. And I know, yes, Hyrule's story does have, does have some details. But again, none of that's explained in the game, right? So like, if you're just playing the game, you don't know any of that. You're, <laughs> you just think you're a Kokiri that's special. Yeah. Or you're well, right? you like, like that's the impression I got back. Well, you find out you're a Hylian like, later in the game. Yeah, you find out you're a Hylian, but like you know, there's no there's no explanation for what the heck you yeah. were doing in Kokiri Forest, and like none of that's in the game, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's it's just really weird. Um, and the thing is, like that was my favorite iteration of Link, what was him growing up from a kid to adult, us being able to see that, um, even though you know there's a seven year gap in there. I feel like they explain that seven year gap pretty well. Um, they don't explain how the heck he's in adult clothes, but whatever, plot holes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just one of those things that I always love that character growth. 
But it, it, it still felt like Link is just kind of doing what he's told. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, maybe it's because of the freedom of the game that I experienced playing at three hours at E3 last year, but it feels like Link is doing what he wants to do. Right? Like, yeah, he's told to wake up, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> you're, you, he, the chamber opened. He was going to wake up. So it's kind of like, yeah, you're told to wake up, but then and, and there's a voice trying to like guide you and tell you, like, oh, go over here, go do this, but Link doesn't have to do that. Link can kind of do whatever he feels like doing because he's his own character. Um, so, like, if Link, you know, if you as playing Link wants to learn all that backstory, you can. Or maybe, you know, as you're playing the game, you're worried personally that that past could affect the presence in a way that you don't mm-hmm. want to know. Like, and you as a character, you get that choice, but you're choosing that for Link. It's just, it's just all-encompassing thing, I guess, where Link in Breath of the Wild is such a new concept for what Link is, right? But to me, it's also the first time in my experience playing Zelda games where I can definitively tell you this Link is a character. As opposed to and an empty slate. that's why it's my yeah. favorite. Yeah, as opposed to... And that's weird. It's like, oh, he has amnesia, right? He's an empty slate. But he's not. And you know he's mm-hmm. not. Um, so it, 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 he is a character. The other games, I feel like... In every single one, you can make an argument that he's an avatar. Um, and yes, some games in, in, you know, inject more story into him than others. The Wind Waker is a nice example of that. Um, but in, in, in fact, I, I love his char- like his expressions and stuff <laughs> in the Wind Waker are amazing. Like, like um, Wind Waker has hands down the best expressions in all of them. That we so far. Um, so far. So like, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where I hate using a game that hasn't come out yet. But I already know. Like, I could say it beyond a doubt. That Link is already my mm. favorite Link. Um, I have sincere doubts it's going to be my favorite Ganondorf because I don't think Wind Waker can well, I don't know if we're, if we're even going to have Ganondorf in the game. Uh, well, Calamity Ganon yeah. is. So, like, a form of him is in Well, the there's a debate to be had there. Is Ganon a form of Ganondorf or is he a form of Demise? Is Ganon a form of Ganondorf or is he the reincarnation of Demise? Is Ganon a form of Ganondorf? What? Ganondorf's always been a form of Ganon. But I thought... Like... But Ganondorf was born specifically out of the Gerudo, and then, because of his hatred, Ganon was brought to life. That's how I've always seen it. See, I've always viewed it as it's just the same character. Ganon's just the more powerful form of Ganon. I've always seen it as kind of like a, a, a Darth Vader thing. Like... Ganondorf was like the king of the Gerudos, but his hatred for Hylians, like, caused him to go to the the evil, like, to turn evil, and then he decided, well, I'm gonna become a pig, and then he became a pig, and (laughs) (laughs) just this one day he was like, you know, it's menacing a pig, and so he became a pig. Well, it's really weird too, because like, like it's easy to get skewed on that because like Ganon was technically like the the enemy back in the '80s, so it's like. I came from the realm of Ganon was it, and it, the first time that Ganondorf exists is Ocarina of Time, and what's the final boss you fight? Ganon. So it's like, yeah, other games have just Ganondorf, but it always felt like Ganon was the ultimate form of uh, of Ganondorf, because that's the way the game set <clears> it I've always just imagined it kind of like... Obviously, obviously, at this point, their games are so Marvel. <laughs> Who really knows? Ganondorf and Ganon, no. they're, they're like brothers. They're like uh, Siamese twins. They're in the same body, and that's, <laughs> that's the explanation we'll go with. <laughs> oh my gosh 
Siamese twins. <laughs> Siamese twins with a pig. Anyways, I, 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 I mean, I, I think it's undeniable that Ganondorf and Ganon have always been related. Yeah, no, that, that's true. So, so that's why. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I personally don't think Ganondorf that form is going to be in this game, but who knows? Because it's Calamity Ganon, yeah. and it, it's weird because outside of Ocarina of Time, Ganon's only mentioned in the Downfall mm-hmm. timeline. Um. So, I know. Again. I could speculate on timeline with this all day. Um, oh. <laughs> cool. So is that, that it? For yeah, that's week? it for this week. I'm gonna have fun editing this with people dropping out, video popping in and out, and yeah, just full screen. Yeah. At the 45. Well, I tossed in. I started recording my own video again half an hour ago with my crappy webcam. So. Oh, well, so, you yeah. Know something. It won't look as bad. Short yeah, it'll time, be so. fine. I'll, I'll figure it. Out. It's just gonna be a pain in the butt for me. It probably won't be out till Saturday, but. Eh. It's got a lot of other stuff to figure out with this, and I'll have a lot of free time. So, <laughs> right. look forward to it. I'm saying that after it's already come out, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> we'll see you guys next right, cool. week. Probably, you probably won't actually watch next week's because you'll be playing Breath of the Wild. Um, yeah, I was gonna say the only <laughs> reason that I'll be able to. Uh, do next week is because it's on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, if we recorded on Fridays, like... Yeah. If, we, if we recorded on Thursdays... Um, yeah, no, nope. sorry. I'm sorry. going... I'm literally sleeping until, like, 10.30 and then getting up to get ready. No, to like, the way everything is working for me is I'm going to try to go, like, to the early showing of Logan, and then I'm going to go to the store and wait. Oh, boy. So it's going to be... I know. I thought I thought about doing that, but I'm like, if I go to Logan and then... <laughs> no, I, I sleep is paramount because I'm doing... For those who don't know, over at Nintendo Prime, I'm doing, like, a live stream from, like, 1 a.m. through all of Friday. So, I need to find some sleep. I wish I could do that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yep, we'll see you guys next week. And then the week after that will be way more fun. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. Bye. Yep. See you guys later.